Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the Riptide. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think. Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. I'm Jamel Zanishev. I'm Travis Campbell. And I'm Mike Persine, and you're listening to Brew Strong. <laughs> I like how you say it with passion. Yes. I try to get it like, you know, the the, the announcer guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I miss the announcer guy. I mean, uh... <laughs> like the Lance Armstrong of brewing, except for that nut thing. Nut thing. <laughs> with the nut thing he knows i i by <laughs> now i believe that that was that was my idea the nut thing <laughs> i believe you know me <laughs> uh, i was uh, i i i miss those days in the garage and then in the uh in the double d and everywhere else uh it was it was a, a wonderful time now we're in the the gray nothingness behind me it's like an interstellar when you're like in between everything. Yes. Yes. Um, there's just a giant pile of crap behind me. So <laughs> this morning we threw up the, uh, the, the, the curtain of curtain of doom, uh, to, to make sure, uh, I don't know, that we're, we're hiding everything. I don't know. Are you in your home office and that's a new addition to your home office? Yes. The curtain of doom. Oh. I'm in exactly okay. the same place as I was before. I wasn't going to bring it up, but since you did. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, but you're hiding out behind like a, you know, like a, a high school auditorium's little stage or something like that. Right. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Right. Yeah. I need something behind here. I don't know. <laughs> look at, look at your back. Uh, I'll send you my Bobby A. Bear. Oh, oh, we could have Bobby. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. You can't have Bobby A. Bear, but anyway. Um, <coughs> um uh <laughs> sorry, that was quite the ahem. Ahem, ahem. I've I've had lots of moxa beer, so uh these are can't go wrong there. These are doing me in. Uh I'm having the uh the in flight and uh it's it's got me flying at seven point three. Uh very delicious uh, moxa beers. So uh I I love that. I highly recommend. Almost as much as I love uh, my good buddy, uh, John Blickman, uh, Blickman Engineering. You check him out. Uh, he has been paying for the show, so you don't have to, for the last 
16 years or so. One of these days, I'm going to calculate how much it is and actually uh, know, know how long it's been. But it's about 16 years. And in those 16 years, he has created an amazing array of, of cool stuff. Every, you know, just innovating your brew day, as Jason Petros would say. Uh, that's what Blakeman Engineering has been doing. Uh, and uh, some of the most recent stuff, uh, fermenter for commercial breweries, a three and a half barrel fermenter that wheels through a 36 inch doorway, slides right through, tucks up tight against the wall. The fittings are in the front brew kettle for commercial brewers that does not have all those electrical elements sticking inside of it that you have to wait until you've filled past that point. Uh, you don't have to worry about clunking into it with your mash paddle when you're trying to stir your work. Instead, it has heating elements bonded to the bottom of the kettle so that you've got a clear, clean kettle that's easy to clean. Uh, you the, the minute you get a little bit of wort on the bottom, you can start the boil. You can uh, step mash in these things. Uh, very clever. Uh, that's what Blickman Engineering is. Innovating your brew day. Uh, great people too. Um, really love them. Uh, if if you get a chance, you know, ask for Blickman Engineering wherever you go. Uh, the least you should do is look at it and check it out. You can check it out on their website. You can check it out at your local uh, homebrew shop. Check it out uh, if you're getting into commercial brewing. Yeah, give them give them a, give them a shot. Um, and at the very least, you could do it for me is, you know, send a nice email to John Blickman at uh, feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com. If you appreciate that this show's been on for 16 years because he's been paying for it, uh, I think you ought to, you ought to send, in a, uh, send in an email because uh, who knows? Maybe they're going to be like, nah, I can't really afford this anymore. It's, it's a load of crap and nobody really listens. If you listen, uh, send them an email. I'd appreciate it. There you go. I don't even know if I know anyone who doesn't have something with me. You know, and, and John continues to pay for the show, even though everybody knows who he is and what he has, or except for the new stuff. It's outstanding. He's a very loyal uh, person. And, uh, you know, he believes in the community and he supports the community and he supports <laughs> us because, you know, we, I don't know. I don't know. He's a loyal friend. Yeah. And one thing I can say is that as an engineer, I really appreciate the elegance of his solutions. Mm-hmm. They're not overly complicated. Absolutely. There's not 8,000 nuts and bolts and computer programs and things you have to install. And he's, does, you know, half the time it doesn't work. He he gets these, this real easy little contraption that just does exactly what you want. He's a brilliant yes. engineer. Yeah. He was an engineer at Caterpillar. Yeah. Which makes some, Pretty freaking amazing stuff. And uh, yeah, so the homebrew world is lucky to have and then the probrew world too. So if you're, if you're looking at uh, you know, equipment, just check out some Blakeman engineering. All right. So this is live Q and a uh, and Richard in the comments section. If you're, if you're watching live on Facebook and I post this on social media when we're, when we're going live and generally it's been Wednesdays, at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Uh, you can click on the comment section and you can comment on uh, whatever and you can ask a question. So Richard was asking, hey, fellas, just stepped in. So sorry if this is off topic. My brew club is giving a presentation on basic beer ingredients and they gave the high history teacher water. 
So I'm guessing he is the high history teacher. Yeah, it's a half big thing going on, maybe. Yes. That's what I was thinking, right? He's he's asking uh any advice. I mean, I just got this now. I read it like three times. <laughs> I just got it. <laughs> any advice on what should be the most basic but most important thing for people to know about brewing water? I mean, most important thing to know about water. Oh, there's so much to learn and there's entire books to read by John Palmer. But the most important thing to know about water is, yes, it makes up the most of your beer. But what I've always heard from these two guys, Jamil and John, Jamil and John, is water is kind of like the seasoning. If you, if you make a good steak, the seasoning can help it. If you make a bad steak, no amount of seasoning is going to save it. So mm. Think about it in terms of your water profile, pH, all these things are are definitely important, but they're more of a yeah than, than the core. Minimal, minimal adjustment. Yeah, that's that's wise. All right, Travis. So if we're talking basic, and, and the easiest thing I can tell someone who's about to brew some beer, uh, water, here in Houston, our water, uh, chlorine, chloramines, et cetera, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell them get some spring water. Work on your water later. Just start with some spring water right now, which is, who knows if it's really spring water, but at least it's not full of chlorine chloramine. That's a basic thing for me. Just, just use that. Don't worry about the rest yet. Make your beer with that. Don't try to filter your tap water. Don't try to fil- fix your tap water. Don't buy an RO system like I have. I'm sure Mike has and Jamil has. Uh, no RO for me. No. I go with tap. Filter but we do. I yeah, do chlorine out. Nothing else. I get. I get Tahoe water up here, baby. <laughs> is that good or bad? Ta- like Tahoe, it's yeah. some of the best water in the world. Oh, nice. It was the greatest water that I was ever. Yeah, that's believable. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm with both of you guys. I, th- I think you make excellent points. I would. Yeah, I would tell people. You know, don't overthink water. You know, don't. It, it, the, the the tap water you have is probably fine. Once you've removed the chlorine and the chloramines, you got to get rid of that stuff. But once you have, it's probably fine for for making beer. Uh, people made beer all over the world without you know yeah. RO systems. All of a sudden, everybody's got to have an RO system. Everybody needs to be. It's like no no no. The the problem with RO based water is that the mineral additions you're going to do are not, they don't seem natural a lot of the time. You know, it's it's too, it's too one way or the other. It's missing something. It's missing all those subtleties that are in the natural, you know, water that's produced. Yeah, and and that's why I like Travis's. And actually, I can speak to, I did that when I first started, was I'd go buy the big gallon jugs of spring water to make beer Mm with because I didn't, have the experience or the know-how or the understanding of my municipal water or an RO system to make, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, I would, so, I would, yeah, I would. So, Richard, I would, I would tell people, um, you know, d- don't worry too much about water. Go like this: re- re- remove, remove. <laughs> Remove the the chlorine and chloramines or, you know, buy, you know, the water that's, you know, no chloramines or or, or, yeah. or chlorine. Exactly. And then, um, you know, season it. 
whatever type of beer you're brewing. If you're brewing a dark beer or you're brewing like a, you know, uh, you might need more, you know, uh, uh, pH buffering. If you're brewing a uh, hazy or something like that, you might need to add a little, you know, table salt to, you know, sweeten it up. If you're brewing an IPA, uh, West Coast type IPA, then all well, the maybe you need a little bit of, uh, you know, gypsum to, you know, enhance the bittering there. And the, so that would that would be the the thing. Those would be the like the basic three. I mean, what else? Uh, I'd be curious to know what region he's in when he's talking mm-hmm. about water. Right. Because like out west, uh, I would say we're pretty fortunate, at least me getting kind of a mountain alpine water. And mountain I know back, back in the Texas, you probably got some pretty hard water. So our oh, kind of yeah. becomes more of a necessity than an option. And so yeah. it's more the, I it's would more say, the treatment they do than what come, shows up. Honestly, yeah. it's, it's, it's and, the chlorine and chloramines. Are. Well, yeah. And that's too, is are, how are they disinfecting your water? Are they using chloramines? Are they using bleach, sodium hypochlorite, which is what we have up here. So I don't have a chloramine necessarily. It, it kind of, see how you kind of get in the weeds and then you're oh, not yeah. doing the, you're not doing the most important thing. <laughs> I'm trying to read his question. So yeah, that's where I would think if you're really an introductory course would be spring water from a, a trusted source and Without getting too He's in the weeds. in Stockton. So in Stockton, ah, okay. you're, you're you're fine. I mean, I I brewed in Elk Grove. Um, it's it's going to vary depending on you know where they uh, how they're blending the water at your local municipality. Um, but you know, I, I brewed in Elk Grove. People were like, oh, you know, Elk Grove. A lot of people were on RO and things like that. It's like, no, it's fine. You know, you just make these other little adjustments. It's more important you know, to ferment properly, to, you know, sanitation, things like that. Once you do, then, then you're good. A little seasoning, like Michael's saying, uh, you know, for certain beers and, and, and you should be fine. Yeah. And I would say in California, I would doubt they're using chloramine as a disinfection process out there uh, or they're chlorinating water sources with enough ammonia to produce chloramines. So I, I would, I would think you're probably good on that front. And then so just running the water through a charcoal filter or uh, what I do when I fill my liquor tank, this guy, I just splash real hard right in the middle. And I'm trying to push off as much of that as I can. I do it the night before. And most most of the the water districts are using chloramines uh, because they're more stable. They use far less of them. Yeah, cheaper. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mike Shoemaker brings right, up an, an excellent an excellent point. Uh, water depends on the time of year too. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that happens in a lot of water districts is the source of their water changes. Uh, so some water districts they they've got one source. You now it's a lake or you know a reservoir or a river or the ground, and that's it. Some have three sources. They'll have, you know, a river, reservoir, groundwater, all that stuff, and they will blend those. And they'll blend them based on the time of year. So it's raining more and the, you know, one thing's filling up or 
you know, the spring snow melt comes. So the rivers are flowing high. So that's where they're drawing more of their water and they're getting more of the, the spring snow melt. Or, you know, it's summer, the river's low, they're they're depending more on the groundwater. And so it's going to uh, change uh, what your, your, your mix is. They try and keep it as consistent as they can. Uh, they're trying to hit some targets, but it's it's going to vary. It's one of the reasons I tended to only brew uh, during the winter, um, you know, or as much as I could, I, I brewed during the winter. Let's do this short break. When we come back, more of your questions right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. We're taking your questions live, and we're also taking your questions over email. If you've been listening, uh, of the show, you know that you can send in questions to uh, BrewStrong at thebrewingnetwork.com. And uh, we actually get to them pretty quick now. Uh, there are, there's maybe 300 from, you know, the last two decades that we haven't really? gone to yet. But, but I'm on top of the new ones now. Um, this one came in uh, Tuesday, September 5th of 2023. That is... Not even a week ago? Huh? How about that? Yeah. How about that? David asks, this high, I'm really interested in the dry hop recirculation that you mentioned a couple of times in recent episodes. You've mentioned a peristaltic pump as the best pump to use uh, in this case, but do you think a diaphragm pump like the Blickman Quick Carb uses would be good or at least decent alternative? Hurt. It says... David, but then it says Kurt. So maybe David goes by Kurt. Maybe so. Who's the judge? Uh, David or Kurt is to judge. That's true. That's true. Whatever you prefer, I, I, brother. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing he prefers Kurt. 
All right, Kurt. It's a good question. What do you guys I think? Would, I would say from my ex- experiences in pumps, because I'm a water and wastewater engineer, dive for a lot of pump. Yeah, a little pump and dump, you know. Oh, <laughs> but no, it's, it's a they're very similar. Uh, I would I wouldn't think there'd be too much of a problem unless there's, you know, if you're they're using it for quick carb. I would think it'd be fine as long as you're not clogging. Like if your inlet outlet is too small, mm-hmm. but so, I would think that'd be great. It's just going to pulse a little harder than a peristaltic, but I don't see a lot of difference there. The the positive displacement pumps are going to be good for this. Well, and the and one of the things is, you know, the hot matter. You don't want it to, you know, block up a pump. A pump they can't right. handle, uh, you know, uh, material going through it. So, uh, impeller type pumps generally yeah. kind of struggle. Uh, in in commercial brewing, the pumps are pretty beefy a lot of times, and they will just chop through most hop leaf matter and it won't won't be a problem um so that's why you don't generally use impeller pumps uh in in homebrew for that sort of thing diaphragm pumps yeah i mean the only issue i'd worry about is you know any sort of oxygen ingress into into that sort of thing um i'm not sure how the diaphragm pumps uh occlude oxygen or not um the peristaltic pumps they could let zero oxygen in or a ton of oxygen in if they're using silicone tubing um that will just let in a huge amount of oxygen unless it's platinum lined and even the platinum lined i've gotten bad platinum lined silicone tubing before so um that would be a fresh piece piece of vinyl snap yourself off a fresh piece yeah there you go vinyl vinyl tubing it lets in far less oxygen than uh, silicone it is not as uh, pliable as uh, the silicone, which for peristaltic pumps, uh, they tend to go with something something along those lines. So peristaltic yeah. could be bad too. Just depends on what kind of tubing is being used uh, in that in that pump. So yeah, and he he just said I've never used my pump on the cold side, only for research during mashing and sparging. That's probably like if he has like a Blickman Riptide or a spike pump or. A march. Those are all centrifugal impeller type pumps, which you probably want to avoid during uh, uh, a dry hop recirculation because you're, like, you're going to end up with almost a slurry of hot matter and beer, and, and you need to be able to pass that through the pump. And I think a diaphragm would be good, especially a high quality one. Yeah, but watch out for what that diaphragm is made out of. Like Jamil just said, you don't want to get one with a silicone diaphragm that's going to just leak air, oxygen all over your beer. So, you know. Yeah. I like the peristaltic for cleanliness, but you do need a very flexible tubing. So you're probably going to end up with silicone. So you're going to oxygenate it. But I mean, the, the fact that you could have a piece of tubing and the pump is entirely external to tubing, I like the concept of the peristaltic. And the parts inside of a diaphragm not getting hop matter, depending on where you're pulling. I mean, if you're pulling high enough above your hops or somehow you're not pulling hops in. Oh, you want to get those hops, you know, stirring through. But eventually, the they're going to be stirring through. Yeah, but so if you're pulling hops through it, uh-huh. that's going to be an impressive diaphragm pump. And I don't know if specifically the quick car pump is big enough to pass hop matter. It's yeah, a pretty small. I'd be worried about pump. how small. Yeah, you got to get a pretty yeah. big one. 
So because I know it, it, in wastewater they'll use diaphragm pumps for sludge and all these gross mm-hmm. things that have a lot of solids. So they do work. He means but like turds. you said, you got to size it right. Uh, the turds, <laughs> <laughs> the turds, and the tampons. Uh, I, we always have a joke. There's in a free screen for that, but anyway, yeah, we have a we have a joke in wastewater. Your number two is our number one. Yes. I heard the uh, the year uh, shit is our bread and butter one, but I hadn't heard the that's a good one too. Yeah. One. I I think we've all been drinking too much. I think. Uh, nah. <laughs> all right, so Kurt, Kurt, there's your answer. Um, you might give it a try. See see what happens. If it binds up, it binds up. Then you can disconnect it and kind of skip that idea. But uh, there you and, go. And don't dump that back in. Go ahead and dump that out. Restart. Yeah. There you go. I would just right. also it's half inch or better, half inch or bigger. All right, let's. <laughs> Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, your live Q&A. Tons of great questions. Um, you know, if you're listening live, you can just click on that comment button. And um, the thing is, the, the, the weird the weird thing is, all right, so, you know, I'm old. And I don't really understand a lot of your kids' modern uh, technology. Uh, although I helped develop a lot of these, this modern technology uh, back in my day. Um, in the chat says, send 200 stars to see your comment here. Yeah, I've never done that. I think you have to pay for that, by the way. You have to pay for that? Now, the thing is, hey, everybody should know that goes straight to the bottom line of the Brewing Network. Oh, it's like an OnlyFans thing, but it's an only Facebook thing. So right. do we need to get, uh, do we need to get, uh, I think Justin th- on here to strip down and get some stars going or what? Well, I, th- I think the reason is, they're concerned about just like spam and all that stuff, and people just blast oh, it, with nonsense. They'll stick around if you do the stars. They stick around. Yeah, I, I never do the stars. Oh, I know you like, pay for them, but it, it like, like glitches them it? up. Woo, stars, you know. And it like pins it's, it probably where we can see it. The yeah, whole time. yeah. Because huh. uh, we can't Man, scroll through the twenty people who posted here today. If you use the stars, we'll definitely see your message. And Justin will appreciate it. So go ahead and send those stars over. Yeah, I, I don't really want people to, you know, to have to pay, but you know. Exactly. Yeah. And Blickman's paying for you. You're good. Yeah. I'll have to ask Justin about that. What the hell is going on with that? Because I don't know. He might uh, be able to turn it off. Anybody who's, no one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Right. I wonder it's if it's people going. <laughs> I wonder if it's costing people stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I, I looked at it once and I said, Yeah, I'm not paying for that crap. It wasn't for you, Jamil. I'd pay for you. It was something entirely different. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, you have to get stars. Oh, well, that sucks. 
Yeah, you had oh to buy Oh my them. god, 235 stars. So 200 would be 299. Three bucks. Can we petition them to change it from stars to Zuckbucks? Wow. Damn. Done. Damn. So honestly, I'd wonder if Justin can turn it off so nobody can even do that stuff. Right. If we Uh, can, you know, or at least on this show. But when I I looked at it, it was diminishing returns. The more stars you bought, the more it cost, not linearly. Really? Really? Do do whatever you did. I'm not going to do it because. Facebook probably hacked my credit card and charged me some, for some stars. I just I clicked want. on that send 200 stars to, to see your comment here. Well, that sucks. All right, so, all right, so 50, oh. 50 costs. Doesn't tell me how much 50 costs. But how much it costs. 235, it told me, told me it was $2.99. Three bucks to ask a question or to comment? Right, so let's see what Jeez. 50 costs. 50 stars costs a dollar. Well, okay, and, so, so so here's okay, the thing. Okay, yeah, it does here's get better, thing. not worse. Zuckerberg is getting like 99% of that money. And 0.999. Justin's getting like five nines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Justin's Everybody listening, we're scrolling yeah. the comment section. We will see it. You don't have to pay. Hey, and if we don't see it, it's probably because we ignored it. Oof. No, we see them all. I wasn't going to. But I Sorry. think just to post at all. Yeah, no, we see every. No, 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 no. You can post. No, but if you send stars, you see where it says "see your oh, comment." Oh, it's a here? different bar. It will be yeah. pinned there. See your comment here. It will pin the comment at the bottom. It's like to force us to see it. So if Mike really wants to know about those four quantity DDHs, he can post it with stars. Oh, I see. All right, there you go. I understand. Don't do it, Mike. Don't I can imagine it. if you a have like comment. some some. Uh, comment section that was getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments just people blasting it right that could be a a, a useful tool if you're trying to get notice i guess but we're yeah. a little more don't, intimate don't, with our listeners yes don't pay don't pay please. yeah don't pay please don't pay. <laughs> i mean if you're gonna pay you know just send three bucks to justin or something buy a t-shirt some way buy a t-shirt something like that yeah or or a mug or a scooter they have scooters these days right I wanted the 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 Brewing Network or Brew Strong banana hammock. <laughs> where where I, we I kept checking the website and nothing ever came up. There has to be a website that can make those. Forms. All right, uh, <laughs> with the fist, Spencer, right? Right, you know. All right, come on, come on. Spencer right. asks, Age Mel and whoever is on as well. Thank you, you Spencer. Are, you guys are whoever. I'm good with that. I listened to all, the, and this is from August 23rd of this year. <clears throat> uh, I listened to all the Bruce Strong podcasts, and I can't believe how much I have learned. Uh, my question is about harvesting and reusing yeast. I use a converted keg to ferment with a Lotit uh, 2.0 dip tube. I pull about 800 mil off at 48 hours post-pitch into a sanitized mason jar. I place uh, the lid on, but don't screw it down. And I sit it next to uh, the keg in the fermentation fridge, allow it to ferment out. My question is, does it matter what kind of beer I am harvesting from and or using the yeast to make? I appreciate your time and look forward to your timely answer. So I I wanted to throw some information. I don't know if you guys looked up what a flow tilt was, but I did one of those. Yeah, it's a floating dip tube kind of design where yes. it's pulling from the top. Right. 
it's got a like a screen that that yeah. floats and and the idea behind it i guess is um you know even with hops in there you can go ahead and start pouring your beer and and not worry about it but i'm guessing yeast goes through um uh you know and yeah at, at that point in fermentation there shouldn't be any flocculation yeah if you're top cropping or something right i mean i have a couple things similar to that that i can put this, if this I floats, to throw a in a keg. This looks like it floats pretty low in the in the beer. I don't know. Uh, what I saw, uh, there's I'm like at least a, it was a foot of top top. Sorry, Mike, have you seen something? It looked like it was kind of that where it instead of having like a bobber with the hanging, kind of like the, the keg land design, it's like a float with a screen, and then the, the mm-hmm. tube is hooked to the screen. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And right. you're you're still underneath the water surface level, so you're not pulling mm-hmm. any floaters. But I thought it was reading that question was it was really an interesting way to top crop, right? To like basically draw it right off with a floating dip tube was pretty neat. But what's well, not his clear. question? Yeah, it can't you can't be drawn off the surface though. Top cropping, you you really got to draw off of the the yeast that have climbed onto the surface of the liquid. The croissant. This is yeah. This is drawing yeah. from beneath. This is not croissant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so it's like, but his question is yeah. Does it matter what style, what beer, what yeast, what et cetera? No. I mean, does it matter if you were to really just analyze it to death? Eh, perhaps. But one thing that I found out and that uh, my my good buddy Mitch Steele, uh, when he was at uh, uh. Stone Brewing, he, you know, both kind of said the same thing is that really the the best yeast is the freshest yeast. Yeah, so I read it that way. They, for, uh, they they yeah. used to try and, you know, harvest their yeast off of the lower gravity, you know, less hopped beers. And, you know, what they were selling a lot of was their stone IPA or pale ale. I can't remember which one it was. Probably stone IPA. You know, that's the beer that they had fresh all the time. And they figured out that it was really better to just harvest that yeast and use that yeast versus the beers that were less frequently brewed. You know, what you want is the freshest yeast. That's always yeah. going to have the the best uh, viability. It's always going to be, you know, the best yeast to use. So I, I, I don't think it matters that much. If you're doing something that's really dark um, or super high gravity, um, if it's really dark, then maybe rinse the yeast, uh, you know, with some sterile water, um, not wash, listen to the previous episode. Um, but, uh, you know, just give it a, a, a good rinse and then dark doesn't matter if it's a super high gravity, uh, beer that might concern me a, a, a bit much, it, it, you know, anything past, you know, once, once you get start to start to go past 10%, then it, it, it could be an issue where the yeast have, have been suffering. So my question would be too, is what about the difference between like a lager and an ale where it, that's how I read it. You and have bottom fermenting versus top fermenting. Like, yeah. are you trying to select for the more bottom with a lager where it sounds like he pulls from the top every time? I mean, yeah, he's not technically coriscening, but he is pulling from the top. And so you'd only, right. They all, they all ferment. Well, Throughout. But if you look at it, it's two separate questions. The way Jamil answered it is if you're looking at 001 and it's an IPA or a pale or a double, blah, 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 it's still 001, not a big deal. 
but the way I read it is exactly how you read it, Michael. And that's why I was like, oh, wait a second. The only comment I'll add is if, you, if you're really talking about the same yeast, the same intention on a repitch, uh, and you want to go from a double to a, an IPA, not a big deal. I have found that certain hops impart such a strong flavor in the yeast. I don't care if you rinse it, you're going to taste that those hops on a repitch. It's just been, I would say, impressive, but it's usually the hops I don't know the flavor of. So it's been unimpressive. But no, I agree with you, Mike, and that's how I that's how I read it. it, it please, I don't think I let you finish your, your statement on. You're not going to pull 001 and repitch it in the lager. That, or I'm not going to. I'm not going to select at the top of the fermenter for something that I want to have good. I don't know. I, and then Jamil made a good point that during fermentation, like in that 48-hour range, you're getting really great mixing. Yeah. So you're probably not going to be in trouble. I guess I was just longer. trying to follow up and, and ask, you know, see what you guys thought. But yeah, and I would say, yeah, going style to style, if you you harvest the yeast, I, I always say try to harvest the yeast you want to use for the same style. That way you don't end up with a super hoppy uh, harvest and then you throw it into something you want to be very delicate and and light. And so like that's female double IPA and that'd be a problem. Yeah, or like, yeah, or going from a really high gravity down to a really low gravity. I've heard that you could step up, but stepping back down can be well, that's where Jamil was pointing out about what uh I think Greg Greg Cook, uh is that is it the right gentleman, uh, Jamil at, at Stone, yep. he pointed out that they would take their IPA repitch in their pail because the IPA was always the freshest yeast. Yes. And it was 10, 15 years ago. I mean, only Blitman knows, but yeah, they, they covered that. <laughs> All right. Merlinus, he's, at, I, I, I think I met this guy at, uh, at the, in San Diego at the conference. He says a uh, question for you guys about water modification. Do you think it is better to modify water according to the pros and cons of the style? maximizing the good qualities and minimizing the bad, or to generally just match the water in a geographical area where the style originated. Or maybe, maybe just stick to the bare bones modification you described earlier, uh, which is sufficient, but maybe not better. Or, hey, uh, let's see here. Stupid uh, question. Wait, wait, wait. That's on yeast. All right. Um, no, uh, it's a good question. I think... No, that's what he said. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You bastard! No, uh, no. Good question. The uh, the the thing I've always hated is people are going like, oh, I'm going to you know use Burton water, and you know I'm use use the water from Burton on Trent for to make my IPA, and they make the most horrific IPAs. I mean, you just don't like six hundred to one ratios, undrinkable. And you know what you what you find out when you're in breweries in Burton on Trent. Is that they use RO water and then they they adjust it back because the water's so terrible, and so um, a lot of times the geographical area is not the way to go. Uh, you 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 don't want to do that. You you would be best if you are already comfortable with water. You've got all your other aspects of brewing dialed in. And you really want to get a little more into the seasoning, as Michael was saying, uh, of of water. Well, then um, you would you would do it according to the the style, uh, adjust to the style, and that's that's going to be your best bet versus geographic or yeah. you know, 
basic? I'd say 100% with the only exception would be if you're super trying to do some historical recipe you found from some region that you're trying to nail it should have tasted the way it tasted a hundred years ago, but. Oh, even then. I don't know why yeah. you would do that. So I mean, it doesn't taste like, good. You, you know, a lot of times those brewers were just like, man, this mm-hmm. water sucks. And so yeah. they, they would do things <laughs> yeah. to, to fix uh, the water. Yeah, well, what so, was it, Jamel? They, they told us that, you know, way back when the river was at this level and now the river's at that level. Right. So the water they're pulling today, you don't know what the, the PPM, this, that, and the other was a hundred years ago. We're all assuming. And sometimes they would brew. They would brew when it rained a lot, or they'd brew, you know, certain times of the year. Like I was brewing in Elk Grove. It's like, well, when the water's better, that's when I'm going to brew, right? So they would brew a bunch. They would put in lagering caves, things like that. That that's that's why a lot of that happened. If I uh, waited for the water to be good here, my wife would love me more (laughs) because it won't be good. Hey, Travis, have you ever thought about doing water dilution? I, I did that earlier on before, before I went to yeah. RO. Yeah, I, I okay. stepped it. I stepped it. I stepped it. I made beer that Jamil wouldn't spit out too fast, <laughs> and then I made a beer that Jamil would just spit out immediately. And that's the that's the water I started correcting, and I started correcting that with dilution because uh, dilution is a solution to pollution or hard water. But yeah. uh, it was uh, honestly when I moved here, it was chloramines, and back in in Louisiana, it was chlorines, and the carbon filter helped. And Jamil would act like he drank my beer then. But when I came here and all my IPAs got crazy bitter, I'm like, Jamil, what's the problem? And he says, the problem's the beer sucks. Like, okay, noted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he, he told me, it's your water. And so I started acidifying, filtering differently, diluting, et cetera. Yeah, I don't recommend being on an RO. You shouldn't need to be on RO unless you live in Houston. Yeah, sorry, right. you asked. You asked uh, yeah, no, it's all good. I, I Shorts, yeah. Uh, where yeah, am I think? Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Just getting back to the question, I think it's pretty settled then that the style is what's most important. And usually what that is generally, like you said, with with seasoning, you're pushing the certain flavors of that style in the direction of what you as the brewer are trying to emphasize. So like if you're looking for something that you want to emphasize hoppiness, you want to emphasize bitter biteness sulfites, or sulfates are, are, are your, you know, where you're going. Whereas like a region, like you said, they were almost trying to either mask their water with the style or they were, you know, complaining the whole time or they were thanking the water God for giving them. Or they were adding water. salt or they were sad yeah, or a lot, of, think, a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think that has been shown like even very early on, Brewers noticed that when they did make adjustments with salt, whether it be table salt, other salts, they could improve the flavor profile. So doing a water profile by region is almost counter counterproductive. Right. I mean, it's a it's an interesting guide, but don't yeah. don't use it as religion. Uh, Merlinus uh, came up with a follow up question. He said uh, uh, on the yeast harvesting topic for you folks, how horrible is it to rinse yeast that had dry hops if you are just making the same beer with the same hops? Um, yeah, there's there's no worry there. I would, you know, um, you know, considering the amount of yeast that you put in versus, you know, a, a batch of beer, 
even if it was different hops or, you know, uh, you know, going from a hoppy beer to an unhoppy beer, um, it's generally not a problem. Uh, you know, if you rinse, uh, with sterile water and you just shake, shake it up and get rid of the tube and all that, you'd be hard pressed to really find a problem with, um, uh, you know, the, the various hops in there. So I, I don't think, uh, I don't think it'd be, be, be a problem. Yeah. I've only encountered two hops that have carried across East. Uh, one was Lotus and one was Azaka. And those were extremely heavily dry hopped beers and they carried. Uh, and I was uh, speechless, not expecting that flavor to carry across the East. Uh, and and I, I do a rinse, not a heavy rinse, not a multiple rinse. Jamil recommends, you know, multiple rinse is not a bad idea. I try to pull from the core of my yeast, but I mean, uh, a decade, I've only had two hops ever carry across the East. Now, so I think I think they ha- I think they share a compound, honestly, Lotus and, and Asaka, and whatever that compound is, it's just, it's maybe it's a very low PPM threshold flavor. I don't know. My only follow up would be, and I've heard this a couple times, and I'm I've never really experienced it because I'm a pretty religious cold dry hopper, but I've heard that if you have heavily dry hop beers during fermentation, you got a lot of hops, you can actually end up with a, a, a yeast that has low vitality or, or, or it has, can have attenuation problems just because of the amount of like alpha acids and, and kind yeah. of that sure. hop induced kind of antiseptic properties that make it hard for protozoa bacteria to replicate and grow. So yeah, I don't know if that was also something to consider when you're. Yeah. High, high hops can affect yeast viability. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and in commercial brewing, you know, the, the goal is always to drop your yeast first and then dry hop. And, you know, the reason was because, well, you don't want those hot, hot matter in, in your yeast pitch. So, um, makes a difference. Definitely makes a difference. Uh, uh, Brandon was asking, uh, I was listening to your recent Q and a episode where there was a question about purging oxygen from kegs. Why not just hook up the blow off tube into the corny bev out quick disconnect and allow all the CO2 from the fermentation to flow through the keg. Um, it's one of the things that, uh, I've always said in the commercial breweries that you could, you know, take one fermenter and take the blow off and blow it through another another fermenter uh, to purge. You know, when you clean fermenters, you, um, you you have to get rid of the CO2 if you're going to use caustic. Uh, otherwise, you'll implode the keg, uh, the fermenter. So you vent all the CO2 and then you you clean with caustic. Once you've done that, well, you want to if the the only reason <laughs> you uh need to purge the the fermenter is if you're going to use it for a bright tank or something like that um if you're going to ferment in it then it it doesn't matter so i guess um brandon's suggesting it's like so i've got my fermenter hooked up i'm going to when it's done fermenting i'm going to transfer it to my corny keg and you know put my beer in there um, yeah, it, it, it should work. The only issue with it is going to be, it's not really going to be an issue for home brewing. If, if that's what you're doing, it's like, let's say I have a glass carboy 
and I'm fermenting in it. And then I take a tube and I, and I off gassing, I, I put into my keg and, and out through the uh, open port on the keg. The reasons you often won't do it commercially is because the gases that are coming off of the fermentation aren't just CO2. There's other stuff in there. There's diacetyl, there's DMS, there's, you know, um, a lot of other compounds. There's hop compounds, if, you know, if it's hoppy beer, there's all sorts of other stuff that's in there. And if you're going to f- put something, another beer in there, if you're going to transfer, you know, from another fermenter into that bright that you've purged using this method, it could pick up some of those compounds. So that's why you a lot of times won't do it commercially. Uh, but if you're home brewing and the very beer that you're using to purge this keg is the beer that's going into that keg, I think it's actually a pretty good idea. I think, you know, it may be more trouble than it's worth. And the other issue is, you know, if your blow-off tube should get yeast or something like that in it that's a problem right you know you really don't want to get that in there um so other than that i think it's pretty good um Um, you know personally i think the you know five cents worth of co2 it took me to do it or 10 cents for the co2 uh, i'd rather just do that well so jamil i know you're not as concerned about o2 later in fermentation because we don't really remove all the yeast, et cetera. Uh, so I don't disagree with anything you said. There are people out there that want zero O2 in there. And for them, I would say you're not going to get the zero. Very difficult uh, to get to zero. Unless, unless maybe you fill it with somehow an O2 free liquid, which by the way, your liquid is not O2 free right. unless you just finished boiling it. So you would want to push an O2 free liquid out with that CO2 and then you would have an O2 free canister ish. Mm-hmm. But I don't disagree with anything you said. That's fine. That's going to make great beer. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And, and all I'd say is the only reason I don't do that is because when I do a purge and, and uh, I do a sanitation purge, and then I also do a leak down test. So I actually will pressurize the keg and then I store it. So then whenever I go to grab it, I can check it to make sure it's not leaking. Yeah. Okay. It's already done. It's already purged. It's already sealed. In 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 your case, my case typically too. My my last step is forcing uh, sanitizer out with CO two. Uh, I didn't used to do it that way, but that's what it is. Uh, my sanitizer has O two in it. I promise you, because it's not been boiled. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's really low ppm O two, and 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 there's no way in heck that the beer coming out of my fermenter into my uh, my into my corny keg is O2 free, is uh, yeast free. Mm-hmm. So I have yeast that's going to pull any any remaining O2 out of it. There you go. For better or worse. All right, uh, Mark, uh, he says, uh, open I can reach Jamel here. Couldn't find any better way to contact him other than Twitter. Please pass this along if possible. If not, let me know. Thank you. I'll tell you. It's uh, jzanishef at gmail.com and you can just email me. That's fine. I don't hide it. I don't hide it. It's, uh, you know, 
He says, uh, hi, I don't think we've ever met, but I did meet your wife a couple years ago at the Legends of Beer Fest here in Reno, Sparks technically, and stopped by Heretic a few times over the years. Uh, I just want to reach out about Gale's Prize Old Ale. I read your BYO article, uh, Brew Your Own magazine, and read an article for there about Gale's Prize Old Ale. Great, great experience uh, going to brew and, and brewing Gale's, Gale's Prize Old Ale. Uh, and was just totally uh, fascinated and captivated by the history, and I knew I had to try this beer. After a little searching, I was thrilled to find some old bottles, nearly early 2000s, for wow. sale. Uh, cheap too, <laughs> from Holiday Wine. So that'd give you that give you a little little hint as to what's going on. Holiday Ours Wine Cellar in Escondido. After jumping through some hoops to get my hands on it, uh, no shipping to Nevada, but California is close, so I can ship there and go get it. I secured my bottles. I knew bottles this old were a risk, not knowing how they'd been stored or handled for the last two decades. I finally opened a couple, and sadly, they were no good. Corks rotten beyond belief. No carbonation. Very vinegary and unpleasant. I'm very sorry I can't experience it the way it was meant to be sh- meant to be enjoyed. Would you think there is any chance the contents are useful in terms of salvaging any of the microbes for brewing? Yes, I do. Uh, I don't know that I really want to try. Any thoughts? You want them? I'll send bottles. Best. Uh, Mark in uh, Reno. You know Mark? I have not met him. At least if I have, I must have had too many uh, delicious beers. Uh, Just enough. Just enough. Not too many. I've been to that. I actually remember that uh, Legends of Beer at Sparks uh, where your wife and uh, she was there at the tent with all my... My brew chatter bros. That was a good time. Hey, I've been there a few times. Now, could it could it be that uh Josh and RJ had me somewhere else wandering around drinking? No, I remember I remember that one. You you had something going on. <laughs> and so Josh was manning the tent. And I remember he was handing out your uh was it called like amnesia juice or something? It, yes, I can't remember. Name, right? that, yeah, was a, that was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> 14 16 percent yeah that was a i can't remember that was a big old boy wasn't he oh i had fun commercially brewing yeah i was actually gonna ask you is that the one we tried at when brew chatter closed we uh you you brought over some really cool brought a bottle of gales i think yeah, yeah that was really cool that was an experience for sure so mark um yeah i think uh some of those earlier gales, I mean, they all have bacteria in them, um, but I think that it is worth, you know, plating out or regrowing. Um, I would plate it out. For me, I would plate it out. I'd pick the yeast colonies, grow those up, get those healthy, and then... Um, I would I would do like a pure pitch of those, and then I would just use once that the fermentation was done, I'd give it a drop of the of the bacteria laden. Juice. I was going to say that. Would you want to infect the barrel with with the everything? Yeah, play it out with the purity, ferment with the purity, throw it in the barrel, kind of thing. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, I do like it. a cast scale. Yeah. <laughs> 
We stopped taking Travis points, got one. damn it. Where'd the points go? What happened to the five, points? Five Jamil? points to Travis. Yes, we really should reinstitute the point system because I love the I love the point system. Mike kicks my ass every time. That's fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> you kick my ass every time. That's why you want the points back. No, it's just, it's all Jamil wants to piss off where he feels like pissing off on who gets points. I, I, I think that's kind of yeah, puppet master kind of status there. Like yeah. <laughs> that's true. Have you have have any of you ever seen Taskmaster uh from the UK? I think you told us about this. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's it's one of my favorite favorite shows of all time where uh they, they do these you know meaningless uh, stupid tasks that are very difficult and and uh and then the taskmaster awards points and sometimes you know uh, just based on how he's feeling so arbitrarily yes a little bit of you shall have two points for kissing my ass yes exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> i need more ass kissing yeah. and you get more points yeah. I, I i maybe i don't speak for mike and i'm not going to say the word i want to say but f that <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, yeah. let's take another break. <laughs> <laughs> we will be back right after this. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. <laughs> hey, Alex. Uh, good to see you there in the in the chat and the comments. Let's see here. Uh, this is a long one. Chris, back in twenty something. This is one of the older ones. We're gonna get to every question that's ever been mailed in. Uh, Chris is. Uh, he says, uh, "Hi, guys from Hobart, Tasmania. I listened to your latest show about bottle conditioning and older shows about carbonation. I don't think I've heard you talk about carbonating with spice, space, space, guile, Pizza. or, or uh, hear you covering krausening uh, techniques. John, you briefly mentioned krausening and how to brew as an advanced technique and how it can treat oxidation problems in finished beer, but the technique is not covered. Uh, what are some of its other benefits? Does it follow that croissoning will also delay long-term spoilage issues or at least uh, preserve freshness longer? Is it like decoction mashing in one of those questionable traditions that we uh, brewers can't let go? Or is there something more to these techniques? Or do you see any advantages or disadvantages to using these techniques over more commonplace natural carbonation methods? I started carbonating with uh, early on in my with coarsening early on in my brewing for some reason, and always prefer the results I get from using this over simple sugars. I find that beers carbonated with simple sugar always taste a little rough until they have conditioned for at least three to four weeks. Beers carbonated with uh, coarsening taste great uh, to me as soon as they are carbonated after one week to a Brewer who brews uh, strictly to replace his and his friend's consumption of commercial beer, this is important. Is there a reasonable explanation for this, or do I have a uh, just have a vivid imagination? I mean, it's hopped wort that we're adding back into the beer. It's not just a sugar solution. JC, surely you have an opinion on this. Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> there is not a lot of practical info on this stuff about. 
Uh, I'd love for you guys to expand on it at some point. Also, be nice to Justin. He's my favorite. Oh, so Chris is Chris is Chris is limited uh, limited mental vacuity yeah. here. Yeah. Did he lose points Soft for that spot one? For Justin. He lost points. I'm sure he did. Anyway, next time you guys come to Australia, bypass Melbourne, Sydney, whatever, and visit Tassie. We have Australia's oldest brewery. We grow all of these great Australian hops you guys love. Tassie fucking devils and our craft beers are not boring like mainland beers. Lots uh, of love, Chris. Well, thank uh, you, Chris. Can I can I just say I've played a lot of rugby. And as I read this, I just uh it was a great read. It just because <laughs> I played with a lot of Australian guys and then just Tassie fucking devils, you know, just like this. <laughs> it was great. I love the Australians. Yeah. What a what a wonderful country. What a wonderful bunch of people. Yeah. Um, all right. So a lot to uh break apart there. Um you didn't limit him to one question, evidently. That was like 10. You're right. Yeah. It's one question with yeah. a lot of a lot of thoughts thrown in. Was so that a, uh, say a question? B, I think, I think um you know, is he is he crazy that uh, you know simple sugar is taking three to four weeks, and this croissanting method is taking one week and tastes better? Well, to smooth out, yeah. I, I would I would expect it to smooth out for flavor wise, not for carbonation wise. I would expect actually using wort over simple sugar would result in a better flavor. Yeah, mate. I mean, I'd say all you got to <laughs> do is imagine. Using something not natural in something natural, you're going to get a more natural flavor, if I'm not mistaken. And that's my best Australian accent for you. And the uh, answer, granted, that is a pretty. Not, that's a lot of points. Yeah, yeah you get points 25 right points per. I don't screw around Australian too much Australian. with uh, with uh, bottle conditioning, if you will. And uh, I imagine. Yes, Spitze, as the Germans would put it, would be a much more quickly tasty way to do it. Granted, you need to account for non-fermentables and other sugars and try to uh, account for that. So there is a difference in fermentation depending on the, the sugar you use for carbonation. It's minor, but... Um, you know, it might be in a triangle test. You could pick out uh, the, the you know, uh, people say they can get turbinado versus, you know, uh, you know, like a cane sugar or a beet sugar. I don't doubt is, it. I mean, does I, it matter by temperature, Jamil? I mean, like everybody, when I started homebrewing, I'm, I'm homebrewing in the South. Yeah. So if I'm adding some wort at 72 or if I'm adding some uh, sucrose at 72, is that going to be a different, a stronger difference in flavor? I, I would, well, I would not uh, tell somebody that they could not detect it. Uh, I'm just going to say it's 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 going to be fairly small. It's going to be minor, but if if you taste it, you taste it. And so I would I would stick with what you think is better or what you feel is better. I would say that there would be a difference between the yeast carryover in a in a fermented beer uh, versus hitting with a fresh croissant from 
another beer, right? If you're brewing the yeah. same, exact same beer and you've got it, you know, down, um, great. But if you're taking, you know, Croissen from a, you know, some different beer that you're brewing, um, I, I imagine that that could taste different, uh, because, you know, it's a different word. It's, a, you know, a different beer. Um, but let's say he's making exactly the same beer every time. I think the fact that you're you're taking fresh active wort and fresh active yeast may actually attenuate it a little bit more than just adding some sugar and whatever yeast that have flocculated out or remained in. Right. And, uh, fresh yeast was, versus if you're waiting for the old yeast to kick up on simple sugar. Yeah. Because it's... Horizon is work plus yeast, not just words, whereas sugar, sugar. So, yeah. uh, Mike, yeah. Mike, please, yeah. I have a special request. The accent, please. All right. I don't want to offend my Australian friends. I'm oh, you already nearly have. joking. I know. I, <laughs> it was I great. Really I loved it. Yeah. It's actually one of the better Australian accents I've, I've heard. Yeah. All right. I can Even try. from all my Australian all friends. All right, Mike. You give it a nice <laughs> shot. So... Croissoning, where you're using different beers, I could see, honestly, let's just cut to shit. I don't think you're going to get much flavor difference. This is all kind of really, really uh, magic. Uh, do triangle tests. I guarantee you fail every time. Just bottle condition it and drink it. You already said your mates and you are trying to make this beer to, to supplement your commercial beer buying. Have a crack. Just just have fun. Brew beer. There you go. <laughs> Good job, man. Come on. 25 more points, Jamel. Okay. I'll, I'll give you I, another 15. Let's see it's, how he steps up when the competition comes in. This is oh outstanding. Yeah. I didn't oh do it all yeah. of a sudden. You're, You're the one welcome, telling him Mike. to give me points. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, because it was great. It was great, man. I loved I it. Know. Come on. But, uh, my real point is, <laughs> I think if you do heads-up triangle test, same beer, croissoning yeah. versus pizza versus yeah. simple yeah. sugar, yeah. Yeah. you're going to not be able to tell the difference. It's That's not going to happen. Jamil said. I, I'm curious no. about it. But my, to my to my point, all right. When I you, used to bottle condition, my beer was crap. You so yeah. was it the bottle conditioner? Was it me? It was probably me. But anyway, you, yes, you, I'm you, curious. You give me the triangle test. I will. I will prove you wrong. Right. Australia, let's go. Taz, well, I mean, Tazzy, let's all go. I can go down to a couple of IBU. They they say five IBU for no no no. You can detect one two IBU. See, really that's can. where nobody fucks with the Jamil. That's right. <laughs> uh, but uh, I would say if, if this gentleman does a, a triangle test with his his friends drinking beer, so they don't buy commercial beer, I I I, uh, I gotta agree with you there. Yeah. It's you know you'll you'll find that the difference is so minor that mm, I, I, I'm not saying somebody can't detect it. I'm just saying. I don't think it matters that much right. and that you should do what's easier for you, um, you know, to because apparently you and your buddies are a bunch of drunks, you know, they're Australian. No, my well, he's getting strike. You have to give some points back to your milk for that one. <laughs> I don't have any points so, to give them. So, you know, um, and you just want to drink a lot of beer. So whatever will produce more beer would be the better solution. True story. There you go. More alcohol. Last thing before I go, actually, when I was in the mil in the army, I actually did a training operation with the Australian <laughs> first Royal Australian Regiment, and those boys could put them down. 
That's a little right. party afterwards. It was a great time. They legally start training earlier than we do. Like they can start drinking at 16 legally, right? So I don't know. These boys look like they were all SF. I mean, they're a tiny little army and they were all jacked and just looking like beefcakes. And, and we were all kind of skinny, scrawny running around. So they worked 20 they work years the old and the beer before we can work the weights for the Yeah. Beer. Yeah. And then they put yeah. them down and, and put us all under the table. It was great. Yeah, very nice. Granted, I was 20, and we were in Germany, so that was still legal, but it was hilarious. Uh, one, wonderful people out there. They're yeah, they're, they're, they're great. They're kind and generous and yeah. funny. And, yeah, they, they, they live life to the fullest. Uh, just, just a wonderful place. If you ever get a chance to go to Australia. It's uh, on my bucket list. Please, like, please I do. have to go. It is, it is amazing, and the people yeah. are just. You know, just some of the, the <laughs> I love Australian humor. It's, you know, I, I love to get Australian it. movies too. Cause yeah. they, 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 they get me. I don't know. It's what do you think about those Australian sparkling lagers? I've always, is that that's a, a show? A sparkling ale. Is it sparkling ale? Oh, yeah. The yeah. Coopers. That's the whole show. You had Peter I, on that go show. Back, go back like 12 years and uh, <laughs> listen, listen to the show we did on. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think you had Peter on for that show. Well then, yeah, that may have been that may have been, yeah. I don't know if that was Bruce Strong or that was the Jamel show or Can you brew it? Can you brew it? One or the other. I think it was Bruce Strong. You guys were talking about um single vessel like Bruna bag. And that was as far oh. as I understand, was Kit more Kilo. What? Yeah. Kit oh, Kilo. Right. Before before we leave, Christian comes with a good point, which which I agree with is I think the crocenting method would carbonate faster because it's active turns uh mining amounts of yeast solution out and reproduce that and, and, and that would be felt on a commercial level of brewery trying to turn and burn syllable products as fast as possible yeah 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 well charisma on the commercial level is the next pitch and right? you're taking yeast and completely but active it's, like it's, it's ready it's, it's taking rock and rolling it's taking uh beer from an, an active ferment mm. and just transferring some to uh, a beer next word yeah. No, the condition yeah. you're throwing it in the finish essentially, beer. essentially just to the the reason it's done is just to provide enough sugars for carbonation, right? Um, you already have yeast in your in your beer, but um, their even their yeast pitch is a top prop pitch, right? Yeah, but in England, I think they're the, pulling yeast off the top pitch on the next words, so they pull a little bit more to finish it. Uh, but I mean, the My whole thing is of, take yeast that's active and repitch, not pitch. I mean, in England they don't yeah. they don't pull from a cone. Well, they might today, but it's, traditionally they didn't pull from a cone. It's to it's to carbonate carbonate the beer. Yeah, we're talking finished beer. You're taking right, beer right. from another batch that's at high croissant. Yes, right. Well, that's and that's croissant. But I mean, but even when we when we visit Sean Knight, and he's fermenting this beer, and his beer has a foot of uh, croissant on it. Uh, with a semi-closed top, and there's brand new work. He's pulling his yeast off the top of this beer. He's pulling croissant from one beer to start fermentation, not just finish fermentation. Right, right. I mean, yeah. that's that's top cropping for just right. top cropping, not not croissant. Yeast, yeast sake, yeah. Croissanting yeah. takes takes beer, active beer, active and I would actually beer, and I would think because it's got the sugars in. I would think yeah. croissanting. 
in terms of nailing the carbonation rate. So think about what beer style you're doing, what kind of volumes you need to get it's to take much, a live much harder. Yeah, you're gonna have to do that a lot to really it's yeah. you know it's, bracket it's commercial, in that commercial brewery stuff where you're brewing the same beer over and over and over again. Yeah. I think at Heretic with certain beers, I I could have done that, but uh, I, I I think, you know, it's, it's just not worth going down that road as a home brewer. I would just stick with, yeah. you know, being able to dial in uh, yeah. my carbonation. Some of these beers in Germany and, and England, they've been brewing for hundreds and hundreds of years. And, and I would think that's where you've, Got especially with Ryan Heiskabut, and you have to do something like that. You can spend a hundred years doing that. Mm-hmm. So. There you go. Yeah, when you're brewing just one beer. All right, another great show. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you uh, to all our fine sponsors. Thank you to uh, Michael and and Travis uh, for being here, and you know. Even though Travis just keeps losing on points, you know, eventually, eventually, he'll he'll be able to make I, it. I think somebody has to come in third. I think somebody needs to comment and do a record. Like I think I'm actually still losing record here. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I think what happens is I get blowout wins, but I don't win all the. I don't the win dailies. the dailies. Uh, the dailies. Like the the grind. You win the tight games. Tight yeah, you yeah. grind gotcha. out. I'm good with the tight right ones. Mike's good with the blowouts. <laughs> Big somebody's blowout. good with tight. Somebody, oops, somebody's good with blow. Yeah, somebody likes blowing it's stuff. Sad. Somebody likes being tight. I don't know. It sounds like the Brewing Network <laughs> has never, <laughs> never skipped a beat. Uh, and if you enjoy this show, again, make sure you, uh, you, you, you take care of all our sponsors, especially Blickman Engineering. Please send a email to uh, feedback at blickmanengineering.com. And tell John Blickman that you appreciate that he he uh, supports his show. If you don't, uh, chances are the show won't exist in the future. Uh, you know, I'm just saying. Um, he's a businessman. Um, good friend. But, you know, uh, it's, it's the least you can do. Anyways, uh, you know, just keep on brewing and uh, brew strong, everybody. Strong. Keep on brewing strong.